tonight. So in Ruth chapter 4, verse 16 is where we pick up our reading. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her, laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Solomon, and Solomon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. So tonight, as I've mentioned already, we will conclude our study of these four chapters of the historical narrative that we know and refer to as the book of Ruth. And within the last verses of the book of Ruth, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we find the fruit of the relationship between Boaz and Ruth. In verse 13 we read, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Boaz's redemption of Ruth resulted in a fruitful relationship in which Ruth conceived, as the Scripture says, and birthed a son whose name was Obed. Now, I mentioned to you in previous studies that genuine redemption will always be fruitful as the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit bears his fruit in the life of every and in the life of all believers. And it's, 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 this is something that is just a paramount for us to understand, I believe, especially in a day in which it is just commonplace for people. Now, it, we live in a time that's been referenced as post-Christian society, um, and I understand the meaning of that and why people would say such. But we still live in a time, nonetheless, in which even those who would claim or profess Christ or profess belief in God, they do so in such a casual manner, and it's almost as though people become offended when others expect for there to be a fruitful life resulting from such a professed relationship with God. So there is this mentality that exists as though you can be saved on your way to heaven, escape hell, and yet there be absolutely no evidence of that in your physical existence. And that is foolishness. That is, is complete nonsense to embrace such an idea. When Scripture teaches us the absolute opposite, a radically different narrative, if you think about, for instance, again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which you are familiar with, I know you know these verses, but 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, right? He's a new creation, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Verse 18 begins again with, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to him by his son and given us the word ministry of reconciliation. And so paraphrasing that, of course. But yet we find in those statements that everybody who is in Christ, every man, every woman, every child who is in Christ is a new creature. That is an absolute definitive statement. Everyone, not some, not most, or occasionally there may be a straggler. No. Now, everyone does not grow at the same rate. Everyone is not at the same place of spiritual maturity. Obviously, that's understood. But it doesn't change the truth that there is a radical change and difference, a transformation within the life of the one who's genuinely been redeemed. In Galatians 5, 22-25, we read this a few weeks back, but the Scripture says, but the fruit, singular, singular noun there, but the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So as we conclude our study of Ruth, we see this fruit present, and we recognize in the case of Ruth as well, the uh, fruition of redemption as Boaz and Ruth are wed, and as Ruth births Obed. However, we find that Naomi, and this is very interesting, notice that Naomi is also included in the conclusion of the book. Now, this is the redemption of, Boaz, of Ruth by Boaz, and it's Naomi, as we'll look at in a moment, who, of course, went, came back empty and bitter and sorrowful and grieving. But yet, notice, in the end, Naomi is included in the conclusion of the book. She's mentioned by name, and not just mentioned, but literally included in the fruitfulness of this redemptive work. And I believe that's important for us to recognize. We see that Naomi's future had looked grim, obviously. We saw that in the, in the first chapter. We saw as well that it was one in which Naomi didn't see any hope of any good coming out of this great loss that she had experienced while in Moab. Yet it was through Ruth, the Moabitess, that God would restore Naomi's life, her joy, her hope, and her future. The Lord would restore Naomi through Boaz and Ruth's relationship in which Obed would be born, verses 14 and 15 says. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath born him. Now, if you look back in Ruth chapter 1, you can turn back with me if you'd like, and you'll see again where Ruth said, or Naomi says to both Orpah and Ruth, she says in, in verse 8, Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we, will, we will, will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them and have, from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So here you find where Naomi is clearly stating, that, as we've studied previously in months back, that God has dealt harshly with her. It's her claim that God has dealt, has dealt bitterly with her, that, he has been, has, that she's obviously experienced his judgment and his wrath or his, his, uh, his instead of the grace, she, she didn't recognize she was actually receiving grace even in God sending her back and letting her know that there was bread in Bethlehem, Judah. But yet she is not acknowledging that grace and she is looking at the, all the negative things that have happened in her life up to this point, which were a result of sin, by the way, obviously. And all the, all the while she's neglecting to see the grace of God and all this. And she says, I have no hope, I have no future. And even if I could bear children and have husbands for you one day to wed, you'll be too old for that. And I'm too old for that. So she's saying, there's no hope, there's no future. And of course she goes on, as you are aware, and she says in verse 21, well, in verse uh, 20, and she said unto them, the people there at the village of, of the city, 
Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. And so here again, we see where she's making those statements. The Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. I am bitter. I am not joyful. I am not pleasant. And so this was Naomi's, her, her, her life, her joy, her hope, her future. Everything was grim. Everything looked horrible from that perspective. But notice, the Lord would restore Naomi through this relationship, as mentioned in verses 14 and 15. Again, because this is what's said in light or in contrast to chapter 1. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. Now notice, this is very interesting too. Naomi's the one who's saying, I call me not Naomi. Call me not pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. But notice in the work of redemption again, this is a public matter. And even God restoring Naomi. Ruth is being redeemed. Naomi's being restored back to where she should have been all the while, but because of sin, she finds herself emptied out. She finds herself without and destitute, saying in, without joy, without, without understanding and recognizing grace and hope in her life and a future because of all this sin. And notice the difference here. Naomi says, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for our Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I am bitter. And yet it's the people it is the women who said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Through the relationship of Boaz and Ruth, through the redemption of Ruth, Naomi is blessed. Naomi is restored, and it's not Naomi saying, though Naomi surely was thankful and blessed the Lord, but Naomi's not saying, Oh, look, I'm blessed of God. No, the people are testifying that she was blessed of God and restored. Because, again, this is a public work that God is doing. Daniel Block commented, In a world previously characterized by famine, barrenness, and death, there is birth, new life. And that's what you find with Naomi. There's a restoration that is taking place. The grace of God was not only extended to Ruth through Boaz, but was also provided for Naomi through Ruth's redemption. Look at verse 16. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. This verse explains the inclusion of Naomi in God's blessings. Naomi was not only an eyewitness to the grace of God, but also had the privilege of personal involvement regarding the fruit of God's redemptive work, as I previously stated. There are three statements in this one verse, in verse 16, referring to Naomi's involvement in the fruit of this redemptive work. Notice what they are. Naomi took the child. The verb took means grasped, seized, and received. Naomi laid her at him in her bosom. The verb laid means to set or to place. And Naomi became his nurse, or in this case, his nanny, if you will. The verb, uh, the, the phrase became nurse means happen, be, become, or attendant. And so Naomi, in other words, seized the opportunity to attend to, to care for Obed. Here Naomi is, no future, no hope, no life no joy, and now God has restored all that, and Naomi, at this point, seizes, grasps, lays hold of that blessing and that grace of God and that, that work of restoration. Look at verse 17. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, obviously, Obed was not literally Naomi's child. We know that. This is Ruth's son and Boaz's son named Obed. 
But notice what the Scripture says. The women of the city, the same people, no doubt, many of them, to which Naomi, as we read in chapter 1, had said, I have been, God has dealt harshly with me, bitterly with me. The Almighty's hand has been against me. And she says, I, I, there is no hope for you, my daughters-in-law. You, you might as well go back to your pagan gods, go back to your pagan ways, go back to your pagan land. There's nothing I have to offer you. Do not call me pleasant. Do not call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. God has dealt harshly with me. I went away full and I came back empty. And now this, this same audience, no doubt many of them, who heard Naomi say such things in chapter 1, now these are the ones saying there is a son born to Naomi. Now, obviously this is not literally Naomi's son, yet it is Naomi's grandson through Ruth being the daughter-in-law here. And so it's Naomi's grandson in that respect. But the credit here, the acknowledgement by the women of that city who knew Naomi are saying, the Lord has blessed Naomi with a son. This is part of that restorative work. Ruth's redemption is what brought the fruit. But here Naomi is rejoicing in that fruit. And the women recognize that it is Naomi that is blessed, even crediting the son to Naomi, not to Ruth. Not, not to take away from Ruth, of course, and what happened. But because Naomi is the one who went away full, came back empty by her own profession. And now the people are declaring, the Lord has blessed you. The Lord has given you grace. He has shown favor to you. And so we see that this is a credit to Naomi, a testimony of God's faithfulness to Naomi in continuing her family lineage and not cutting her name off from her people. The name Obed, it means to serve or servant or worshiper. Again, when you find in the scriptures the word serve or service, um, in Scripture, like, for instance, in Hebrews, when it speaks of uh, the daily or, or, or ministration of service or what have you, it's talking about worship. It's divine service, divine worship. That's what's literally being talked about. Not just saying working. It's not just that. It is the worship of God, serving God. And here's the, here's, follow, this, follow this line of thought, please, and in, in, in the teaching and the consistency here. It, how many people... <laughs> let, me, let me step back for a moment. How many people will gather in a quote-unquote church service, in a gathering of the body of Christ, and give a lot of talk, a lot of praise, a lot of lip service, and say, oh man, we really worship today, or walked out, man, it was great to worship, and yet walk out and have no heart at all submitted to God in service. Does that not happen all the time? Now, follow this. That's what, again, Jesus refers to when he says, this people don't die to me with their lips, honor me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, he said. So the point is that genuine biblical service is worship, which means that one who acknowledges that God is worthy of praise and submission will then also live a life of service unto him because that same God is worthy of everyday submission to him, not just a weekly event or quote-unquote, and I do not like this word in relation to this, but for the sake of the argument, experience. And so worship is not just an experience. Worship is acknowledgement that God is worthy. But worthy of what? Just Sunday morning praise? No. 
worthy of everyday submission and living a life committed unto him. So the Obed name, Obed means servant or worshiper. And we find the birth of Obed was a source of joy for Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And not only was this true for the immediate family members of of Obed, but as the text further declares, he, Obed, is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so we'll get into that in just a moment further. Verses 18 through 22, which leads us into these verses. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. Ram begat Aminadab. Aminadab begat Nashon. And Nashon begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. So here you find somewhat of a lineage is given to show this connection here. And the narrative of Ruth has been obviously progressively leading to this pinnacle of the fruit of this redemption. However, the pinnacle is not in the birth of Obed, nor the birth of Jesse, nor the birth of David. But the pinnacle of the narrative and the redemptive work is the connection this entire book has with the birth of the Messiah, the true Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. So the lineage is given here to show the lineage of David, but we know that Christ is of the lineage of David. Read Matthew, read Luke. You'll find the lineage, the genealogy given. And we know that Christ is of the lineage of David. And so the true beauty and glory and and the, the height or the pinnacle or the summit, if you will, of this entire historical redemptive narrative referred to as Ruth is again the faithfulness of God to His eternal redemptive purpose in providing the Messiah. Now notice this. It's through this lineage that Jesus would be born, right? And so, had God not preserved Naomi, and Ruth not come back with Naomi, and not met Boaz, and happened to come to his field and serve in his field, and Boaz happened to show grace and favor to this one Ruth, now we God will do as God will do, but this is as God has chosen to do. And we see it in the scriptures. And so the fulfillment of his eternal redemptive purpose is, is uh, count, are, are, are told to us and explained to us within the narrative of Ruth and this eternal redemption work, of, the eternal redemptive work of God. And we see that demonstrated, and if you will, a, a shadow of that, a parallels of that in Ruth's redemption. But again, I told you at the very outset of the study that what's most important is not we, we don't want to, we do not want to neglect to value the historical narrative of Ruth. But neither do we ever want to spiritualize the book as though it's all about our redemption. No, but we want to see the parallels. But the overall teaching of this book is the faithfulness of God to his redemptive work because it's through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth that Christ would be born. And so here we see the fulfillment, the culmination of everything Ruth has been about in the birth of Obed because that birth led to Jesse, then David, and ultimately to Christ, which is the true fulfillment of God's promise and commitment. This book is one which ends much differently than it began. Naomi returned back from Moab ashamed, empty, grieving, and bitter by her own confession. Yet the Lord has now restored her in her homeland with honor, praise, fullness, 
joy and fruitfulness. Let me just throw this out to you as well. It's something for you to consider. Again, just a parallel to consider. Naomi, following her husband, of course, we have to, and, and God judged Elimelech, obviously. But Naomi, in following her husband, of course, had left the land of Bethlehem, Judah, and they left in a sinful manner, obviously. This was not God leading them there in the sense of them being obedient to God and his word or his commands. So they go to Moab. And then Naomi is ruined there. She is. She's ruined as far as she's concerned. She's destitute. She's devastated. And rightfully so. In all reality, rightfully so. But yet the Lord does not just bring Naomi back to the land of bread. But he works through Naomi in the life of Ruth. And Naomi experiences the joy of the fruitfulness of God's redemptive work and enjoying the restoration of God to glory, honor, to praise unto him for what he has done and her being able to experience that again in walking with the Lord, to have that fellowship, to have that relationship, to understand what it is again to be blessed of the Lord as she would submit to him and as he would restore her. Might might we be mindful that our Redeemer is faithful to fulfill his redemptive purpose, and in the process of him doing such, we are restored to joy and fullness, giving praise to our Redeemer who has raised us to a position of honor as part of his family, who has raised that which was dead to life, made that which was barren fruitful. The fruit within the life of the redeemed is all to the glory and praise of our Redeemer. Let us be mindful of this truth as we conclude this study of Ruth. Just one simple statement. And this is something that you, you must not ignore. Redemptive love results in a fruitful life. If you've been redeemed, if you know the love of God in Jesus Christ, that love will always bear fruit. Produce fruit that you bear in your life. That is much of what, of course, 1 John is about, where John mentions many of these things concerning the many tests of the life of the follower of Christ. And again, as I shared with you before, it's not that we look at those many tests as we study through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, but 1 John specifically, as we study through that some months back now, if you recall with me, it's not that we look and say, oh, well, this one test is the evidence of belief in Christ and I'm a follower of Jesus. No, it's all of them. <laughs> it's all of them together. That is fruitfulness. The fruit of the Spirit, singular, noun, and number, joy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, temperance. Not many fruits, one fruit. All of that fruit is being born. All of that fruit is evident because it's his fruit, not our fruit. And where he is, his fruit is present. So the life who has experienced, received the redemptive love of God in Jesus Christ is a life that inevitably will be fruitful. And we see this entire account of Ruth come to the end with a genealogy of all things 
the genealogy that is pointing us to the fulfillment of God's eternal redemptive work as demonstrated in God's redemptive work through Boaz in redeeming Ruth, but his eternal redemptive work in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the opportunity just to study through this book of Ruth and Lord to see that